0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Sharon Lynn Wyeth to the show today. And we're going to be talking about her book, Know the Name, Know the Person, How a Name Can Predict Thoughts, Feelings, and Actions. Now, I want to tell you that I've been interested in this science, this ancient science, actually, For a long time, I always wondered, how come it is that people like their names and some people hate their names and don't identify them? I wanted to know how come it was in my 30s I wanted to change my first name to something else and actually almost get rid of my last name. And I wondered about the people who feel this way. Well, it turns out the Romans think that names are destiny, and in Sumerian times, they were interested in names as well. In biblical times, names revealed what was supposed to be the pure essence of a person or their true nature. Some people say that the Akashic records are very tied in to a person's name, that actually the spirit of the child selects their name and through prodding that the name is guided to the mother. And some children have been born and do not have any connection with that name. Some children even feel they were given the wrong name at birth. What we're talking about today is pneumology science. And this science extends not only to the United States. It extends to Europe, to Africa, to North, Central, and South America. It extends to all cultures. What Sharon Lynn Wyatt is going to talk about is how it is that names tell you about a person's life path, about their predilections, about what they came into their life with. Sharon has so much to teach. She is a math teacher and has been doing that for over 25 years. She's going to talk to us today about our first names, our last names, the science And how it is that the placement of letters in names can actually help teachers in school figure out seating charts. Believe it or not, she can do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Sharon Lynn Wyeth to its Rainmaking Time. Good afternoon. It is a pleasure to be here with you, Kim. Well, let's talk about this science. Because some people may say it's another way to profile us. It's another way to put us in a box. Tell them why that's not so.
1: Well, I look at it as it's another way to get to know someone faster. We all have gifts and we all have challenges and it makes people very human and very authentic because you're not gonna put somebody on a pedestal and only see that part of them. You're gonna say, oh, look, they've got their challenges even though they're different than my challenges. It helps bring about compassion and empathy with other people and it helps us know how to talk with them in a way that we can connect and so that we're getting along instead of you know batting heads with somebody. I always think if, if we can get along with our neighbors, then our cities can get along with other cities and our states can get along with other states and countries with other countries. But we can't expect the world to be at peace if we can't be at peace with the neighbors and who we're living around and especially with our families. And so this is a way of getting to know somebody for who they are, why they came here. And instead of judging them for it, and saying, wow, you came to learn this, well, boo-hoo on you. Instead, it's more like, wow, you came to learn this, and I came to learn this other aspect, and maybe we can help each other. It's a wonderful way of connecting with somebody immediately.
0: Now, I noticed in the book, you said a person's traits are hidden in a person's name. And obviously, vibrational encoding is kind of known all over the world by the ancients. Why isn't this more mainstream, that there's a resonance and a vibration, and there's something karmic or dharmic to do with a person's, particularly their first name?
1: Well, you know, I think it has to do with the fact that sometimes knowledge gets lost. It's like when Thailand thought they were going to be invaded by Burma, and they had never been at war before, they encoded all of their Thai massage all of the positions and all of the learning in their actual buildings, hoping that if everything got destroyed, the buildings would stand and somebody could relearn it. And so I think it's very ancient knowledge and it's all based on patterns. And my brain is so thoroughly trained in patterns, having my master's in math and uh, having my master's and bachelors and my master's there. And so I think what happened is I just started seeing the patterns and names And then went after it because I was curious to see what I could discover and what kind of patterns actually existed. So I think it's knowledge that's been there a long time. And if you believe in karma and reincarnation, my friends all say, I must have done this in many, many lifetimes for how quickly I was piecing together uh, different nuances within the names.
0: To even be in this kind of work, you have to be an old soul. I could be wrong, but I think you have to come in with a part of it, don't you?
1: I came in with a passion and a drive to get to know Spirit better. I came in with a curiosity that excels in a willingness to go and find my own answers. And starting when I was in eighth grade, when I bu- read the Bible from front to back, then I wanted to read the Book of Mormon. Then I wanted to read other texts from other cultures, like the Bhagavad Gita and the Naamamati and. I became a voracious reader and a quite a spiritual seeker. So I and I became a meditator as of the age of 18 and took it incredibly seriously. And I think all of those things put together you know helped me when I was struggling to put some of the patterns together because I'd go into a meditative state and I'd simply quiet myself and ask And very often I woke up at four o'clock in the morning with the mind running with answers and I'd wake up and how fast could I get everything down on a piece of paper and then go back to bed and get up again and look at it later. So I think all of it contributes to my ability to be able to put the system together on how it works.
0: I'd like you to share a little bit about onomastics, the study of names, naming, seeing the whole in social groups, organic molecules, you call it. What is onomastics?
1: Uh, That's the study of names and what names represent to different cultures. And they take it apart in a different way than I do. I found patterns based on letters and they use patterns based on more when they put numbers next to the letters and they convert.
0: Is that like gematria? I don't know. Have you heard of the Jewish background for naming? Like when you name a person, it has a resonance, it has, uh, you know, the letters add up to something. Is that the same thing you're doing?
1: No, but we get the same results pretty much.
0: What do you call that other thing that I'm referring to that I can't figure out the name of?
1: I don't know what that's called, but I'm familiar with it. After I came up with my system, I studied all the different systems that were out there, but I didn't want to be influenced by them. Initially, I wanted to do my own research and I wanted my research to be pure.
0: I hear you. So when Dale Carnegie said that all names carry blessings and challenges, that's so true, isn't it?
1: Well, he actually said that the sweetest sound that we can hear is our name. Nothing is sweeter in the world than us hearing our own name. So if we were smart, according to Dale Carnegie, we would be using other people's names frequently in our conversation pieces because it's how we connect. It's how we resonate. It's how we know that somebody cares.
0: You talk about in the book names holding the key to a person's talent while at the same time identifying one's challenges. Do you think it's too much built into a name or do you actually feel that it's so scientific there's really nothing to talk about? Do you feel you've sorted it?
1: I feel like it's pretty sorted. What I have found is, is that our first name is the essence of who we are. Our middle name is who we become under stress or when we're under a lot of pressure and our last name represents our environment. Because you could have two people with the same first name, with very different last names. And one could be brought up like spoiled and royalty and get everything. And the other one could be brought up in great poverty with great challenges. But the last name was, would indicate what the influence is and what the pressures and the environment is. Because those people, even though the first name is the same, could end up entirely different in their characteristics and their qualities. So if I was to say it another way, I look at the first name as the ingredients that you have sitting in your kitchen. And your last name is all the possible recipes you can
0: make out of those ingredients. That's an interesting example, very interesting. When you wrote about the biblical names, what made you study that?
1: Well, like I said, I had read the entire Bible when I was in eighth grade because I wanted to read it for myself and know what it really said. And so my thinking was that when I put together these patterns, an easy place or a very authentic place to test my theories initially, before I brought them out and started testing them around the world was if I read in the Bible about somebody and their qualities and their characteristics, and would I get those same quality and characteristics out of the name from looking at it and the placement of the letters? So one of them that I think is very interesting is the name Abraham and Sarai. And when the Lord came down and changed their names he made it Abraham and Sarah. In other words, now they both had an AH in their name that they didn't have previously. And the AH in my system says that you're now a gift from God and you're on mission. And truly, Abraham and Sarah went on mission at that point in time once their names got changed. So it was different things like that that I was looking for in the names to say is the person who they were, especially like Jacob becoming Israel and the, the slew of name changes all through the Bible, did they transform themselves from what one name represented to what the new name represented? And so I used that as one of my very first tests to see if if any of what I was doing was authentic and accurate.
0: What an interesting life and an interesting family you have. That could be a whole other book. <laughs> I really think so. Do you want to share a little bit about where this started, Where was this motivated from? Because I think people may want to hear that.
1: It was in my seventh year of teaching, and it was at the beginning of the school year. And I was making the seating charts for the children before they came in, because every good teacher knows that you have assigned seats so that you let the children know right away that you're organized and you're the one in charge. And you don't know the kids, so you randomly put them down anywhere. But once you get to know your children, you really think hard on who's going to sit next to whom because you want to create a safe environment. And so you think about their qualities and characteristics and how well people are going to get along. And so this was the beginning of the seventh year. And I went to make my random charts. Only my brain was saying, don't put Joshua next to Julie because together they're going to be clowns. And put Stephanie over on the side. She's never going to want to change seats because she's very stubborn. And Derek's going to need extra help. So put them up close where you can get to them and oversee them a little bit more. And my brain was going through the same gyrations that I normally do once I get to know the kids better. So once I got over the guilt of feeling like, oh, my gosh, I'm already, you know, making assumptions about kids and I haven't met them yet. Then I said, you know, I'm more curious than anything else if what my brain has picked up, if it's actually accurate and true So I went through all 150 children's names and I wrote down what my impression was that I was getting from my brain. And I put it aside until winter break. And when I looked at it at winter break, I was astonished at how accurate it was for how I had already interacted with the children and gotten to know them each. So with that, my curiosity was aroused and I thought, let's look at the patterns. So there was a prolifera of Davids in my life, So I made a column for every one of my David friends, and I said, what are their qualities and characteristics that I've been able to observe? So I wrote down all the adjectives and adverbs for every David that I had, and then I looked across the columns, and I said, what do they all have in common? And I circled all of those qualities and characteristics, and I said, okay, those must land in the name David, and then what do they not have in common? Well, I only had names to work with, so it had to be in the middle name and it had to be in the last name. And so that's how I started. And then it was just seeking patterns and and really bugging everybody I knew, especially as I started doing how one letter would influence another letter sitting next to it. I thought, as the kids, if you put one student next to another student and they like each other, they act one way. But if they don't like each other, the same child could act very differently. So I started wondering about the letters if that was the case. And so if you put two letters together, they definitely influence each other and they create something new. So it's just like the letter S is one of the letters that I nickname in my head as being school smart. It means that that person can learn anything as long as they're shown the basics. So, and the letter T is those people are competitive. They wanna be at the top of their game. And if they can't be at the top, then it's like, why bother? And they will be glad to be at the bottom or not even try at all. But you put the S-T together and that brings out both the challenge and a gift. The gift is that they're very persistent and they don't give up. But the challenge is that they can be very stubborn and they can get in their own way. So even though you have qualities and characteristics of every single letter, when you put them together, you get brand new qualities and characteristics.
0: What do you do when you have people that don't have middle names? Like, I don't have a middle name. I always wondered, hey, how come I don't have a middle name?
1: (laughs) It's because you don't change under stress. You still are your first name. The people that have middle names, it's sometimes we look at them and go, okay, where'd that part come from? It's because they morph into something else when they're under stress. And what I found also is when the middle name is stronger than the first name, those people become procrastinators. Because it's like they procrastinate to the last minute so they can put themselves under stress so they can get the best out of them that they can.
0: Very interesting. Now, you say that the Druids and the Celts felt that the names of people were sacred, and then also in many other cultures as well. Do you think that most people feel that their first name is sacred? I mean, they know it's important, but do you think they have a sacred relationship with their first name?
1: I'm not sure that they do when they're younger. But I think as people age and they are more curious about life, then they start feeling more in tune with their name. I get a lot of clients that say, I don't understand my name. I've never liked my name. Did my mother name me the wrong name?
0: How would you know that, for example? Is it an intuitive or psychic thing you have?
1: I think it's something that people feel. But when I go in, I say, this is what your name represents. Then the people can tell, yes, that's me or no, that's not me. So then they would know whether it was accurate or not accurate.
0: Interesting.
1: But the majority of people that have come to me and said, I don't like my name. I don't feel like it fits. So I call myself this other name. Then I say, you know, the name we call ourselves or our nicknames are names that saying these are the qualities and characteristics we wish to present to the world. But it doesn't change innately who we are, which is that birth name. And when I get through describing what the birth name entails, So many people who didn't like their name say, okay, now I get it. Now I get why I had that name. And so they become at peace with their name, regardless if they still want to be called their nickname or not. I've seen that more often than not.
0: When I interviewed a wonderful reverend metaphysical minister named Roberta Herzog, who wrote a whole book on the Akashic Records, I had her on twice. She was so eloquent, and she talked about exactly a part of what you talked about, which is that a child in spirit form impresses upon the one who will be naming it what it wishes to be called. That is such an advanced kind of an old soul understanding. What made you put that in your book?
1: I wanted to explain why the system works. And so there was both a scientific reason, which is all through vibrational science and how we become our vibration of what we hear all the time, And we hear our name more than anything else. And I wanted to put in the religious backing that when there were still only 10 religions on the planet before they multiplied and divided and everybody made up their own, they all agreed on some basic concepts. And one of them was that the incoming soul impresses upon the one who's going to be naming them what they want to be called. And between me reading all of the spiritual books that I have read To me, that just became, it just resonated as truth. And so many different religions were saying the same thing in a different way that I figured that has to be truth.
0: Would you share the Joshua Jeremiah scenario about him and being named? I really love the examples you gave. And I know you have maybe thousands, but could you share that one? I'd be
1: glad to. Um, There was a husband and wife that were sleeping and the husband woke up and he said, our son, came to me last night and gave me his name. Now, this couple did not even know that she was pregnant yet. And the wife responded with, well, you know, he came to me too and gave me his name. And so she said, go into the other room and write down the name that you got. I'll go into this room, you know, and write down the name so that we're not influencing each other. And let's see what we got. So the wife wrote down Joshua Jedediah and the husband wrote down Joshua Jeremiah. And so they both looked at each other and said, well, we've got a Joshua J coming. And the husband said, you know, you usually get this better than I do. So we'll call him Joshua Jedediah. Well, it wasn't until another month later that they realized that she actually was pregnant. And so they constantly talked to the baby and the soul as Joshua Jedediah. Well, right before that baby was going to be born, the husband had another dream. And he woke up and he said, Joshua came to me again last night and he said, why do you always listen to her? She didn't get it right. That's why I had to come to you in the first place. I don't want to be a Jedediah. I want to be a Jeremiah. (laughs) So the husband and the wife said, okay, we'll name this child Joshua Jeremiah. So when the child was born, he got named Joshua Jeremiah. But the best part of the story is when the child was between two and three years old and already starting to talk, He got up in the middle of the night one night and he came up to his mother and out of the blue, he said, mother, you almost got my name wrong. Now, he's still way too young for them to tell him how he got named and they had never had this discussion and she was startled. And so she goes, wait a minute. I'm not sure I heard you right. Tell me again. What did you say? And he said, mom, you didn't get my name right. So I had to go to dad and give him my name. I didn't want to be a Jedediah. I wanted to be a Jeremiah.
0: Very fascinating. It just goes to show you example after example that the soul really is doing a lot of work before it even comes in. (laughs)
1: Right. So if we already know who we are or what we're coming for and why we're making the sojourn, then we can make sure that the appropriate name that helps us accomplish that goal is what's given
0: to us. I'm bringing up Roberta, she has passed on. Otherwise, I would have brought her on with you today. But I'm going to bring her on in spirit for just a moment. One of the things she said is exactly what you said. Sometimes people will have a wrong name, even a wrong first name. And until they find whatever that name is or as you say make peace with the name they have, but sometimes people are given the wrong name and they're stuck with that name and they end up changing the name. And some people don't change their name and they're stuck with the wrong name, but it impacts their life path. It impacts their experience. So one of the things she said is that just because you feel like changing your name doesn't mean you're supposed to change your first name. There's a thought and a precept that you may have signed on to this karmically and that name has the life path for you, even if you don't totally love it. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? I mean, I know she's not here to respond, but I'm just wondering.
1: I don't often recommend changing a name unless within the name there is violence and you want to abate that violence, or there's um, a great deal of health challenges and you want to soften some of those challenges. I don't choose to help anybody avoid what they came to learn, but sometimes you can soften the lesson so you can still get it, but it's not quite as painful. Um, But I think the birth name is what registers your life path and your contract with God. So if you change something legally, you're changing your path. It'd be like saying, okay, God, now that I'm down here, I'm not sure I like the contract and what I agreed to before I came. So I want to change my contract with you. So if you're changing your name, that's what you're doing. And I believe when you get to the other side, you may look back and say, "Hmm, I don't think that's really what I wanted to do. Cause I had a wider perspective when I was still in spirit and I made that choice for a reason And even though I didn't agree with it once I got down there, now I've got to go back and redo it, redo the parts I missed when I changed
0: my name. I know for a fact from being a woman that the spirit of the child gives you the name. I know that from personal experience. I don't have a child today, but I was pregnant in the year 2000 and it happened to me. I knew it was a boy. I knew his full name, exactly how to spell it because it was given. So I know what that's like, and I know what it's like for the spirit of that child to give it to you. That'll be something I write about in my personal biography. But anyway, I know for a fact because I've experienced it. It's profound. But I don't know that the marketplace of beings per se know that the spirit of that child is actually bringing in the name. What do you say to parents who are struggling over a name and they're confused and they're frustrated and they're trying to craft the name instead of receive the name?
1: I recommend that they just relax with it. And some parents need to see and meet the baby first before they can commune vibrationally and feel that child's vibration and therefore be receptive to receiving the name. But I truly feel that the spirit of the incoming soul will do whatever it needs to to make sure that the appropriate name is given. Now, sometimes parents just don't receive it correctly, but they can get close. For an example... When my mother named me Sharon instead of Sharon, I came in and she will tell you that some of the very first words when I learned how to talk out of my mouth was, you got my name wrong. Oh, my
0: God. You said that to your mom?
1: Yes. Those were like the first words out of my mouth. (laughs) You got my name wrong. And I'm sure she was just as startled, you know, with that pronouncement as anybody could be. But I refused to be called Sharon. And the only time I would let anybody call me Sharon was when I was absolutely upset and mad. And I was mad they were calling me that name. And I I was a stubborn soul. And it, it was like I did not want that name. And by fourth grade, I had tried on so many names, trying to find my own name, knowing that that one wasn't right. And I finally gave up. And I said, fine, call me Sharon. But it's not my name. And I always let everybody know, you can call me this, but it's not my name. And so when I was married and living away from home, my mother went to a, um, an Israeli wedding. And in that wedding, the woman's name was Sharon, but pronounced Sharon. And so she called me and she said, you know, I went to this wedding and they pronounced this name Sharon. And I could feel my entire body vibrate. It just so resonated with it. And I thought, isn't this marvelous? My mom never forgot I was upset with the name and she still gave me my rightful name.
0: Fascinating. What does your mom think about your work today?
1: She's very pleased. Um, My mother is quite a character and, and very intuitive. She gives readings for a living and she's very pleased that I have found a name and that I no longer complain about my name, but I resonate with it. And I think she was incredibly happy when she gave me the Sharon piece and how I took to it, like within three days of hearing it, it was like, that's me. You know, I'm not answering to Sharon. And I think she was happy that she could finally come through with her piece. And and think about how close that is. I mean, she almost got it right.
0: Yeah, but the enunciation and the vibrational tone of that is so different, isn't it?
1: It really is. But I'm so pleased that she remembered And she never forgot so that when she heard that, she was able to share that again. I mean, I think that's quite remarkable.
0: Bravo to your mom for doing that, for bringing that back to you. Let's talk about nicknames. I can't tell you how many people want to be called these nicknames. And the nicknames are nothing like who they are. They're like sometimes letters of their first name and letters of their last name. What is your take on this? What is your perception? And what does the science say about this?
1: It really says that we're focusing in on a portion of that which we came to do, and we want to excel in that particular portion. Uh, For an example, there's a man named Joseph John Dewey, who is an incredible author. And he is just absolutely brilliant in his biblical knowledge. And he writes a series of books called The Immortal. Well, instead of going by Joseph John, the letter J, when it's at the beginning of a name, says intuition and it says brilliance. And he goes by JJ, which really means he really wants to focus on that innateness, that intuition, that natural brilliance that he has, versus some of the other letters that might be distractors for why he want he came and for what he wants to do. So by going by JJ, that helps him stay very focused on his path versus also working on everything else that's in the letters. So people can take their initials or take a short name and say, this is the part that I'm focused on. This is what I'm concentrating on first. And then sometimes we outgrow those nicknames. And that means I've come to completion with those qualities and those things that I want to learn within that nickname. And now I'm ready to take on the rest of the name or something else. You know, the Indians had ceremonies like that where somebody would outgrow their name and the tribe would say, yes, you've accomplished those challenges and that which you gave yourself within this name. And now it's time for the wise ones or the shamans or the uh, chiefs to grant you a new name and they would have naming ceremonies.
0: I love it. I could totally see it. But this is all so spiritual. This is all spiritual work, isn't it? To me, it is.
1: It's also all patterns. And so it's where you want to take it. I mean, there's so many different layers of it. Just like in life, we have an emotional layer, a mental layer, a spiritual layer, a physical layer. We have all these different layerings. And to me, it's even in name what we're working on and where we are within the pathway. For an example, the letter A is of one of the spiritual letters. And the more A's in the name, the easier it is to have spiritual understanding and then The first time you have a letter in your name, it says you're mastering those qualities or characteristics at the physical level. The second time you have the same letter in your name, it says you're now working on those qualities and those characteristics um, at the emotional level. And the third time is at the mental level. And the fourth time is at the spiritual level. And then after you have four of the same letter in a name, then it says, I am now a master of this energy or this vibration or these qualities. And now I'm a a teacher for them. So you look at Paramahansa Yogananda and all of the A's in his name, and you look at a lot of the Indian yogis and how many A's they have in their name. And it's a very spiritual letter, you know, and especially once you get enough of them in your name,
0: but it's not the only spiritual letter. Your grandmother has eight names. Yes, she did. That is the wildest thing in a book on know the name, know the person. Share a little bit about that. That was funny.
1: Well, my grandmother, it was born in Germany. And in Germany, they needed to name every child and make sure that every relative was included. And so she got one of each of her relatives' names, and that gave her seven names. And then when she married my grandpa, then she got his last name also, which gave her the eighth name. So she had all these names to hold all these characteristics that the family had. The family didn't want to lose any of these qualities. And it's so different that in Mali, Africa, they don't want to name this, the name of the same name in the family because they want new qualities and characteristics to come into the family. So, it, you know, it's just it's a cultural thing.
0: For sure. And I thought it was interesting that you've looked at all these different cultures because like for the Chinese, you give your last name first. That must have been wild to look at the patterns of the placement of letters when the arrangement is totally different.
1: Well, it, it also says a lot about the culture because in, in China, the culture of the family oversees or is more important and more dominant than the culture or the individual will. And so you notice that the last name or the environmental name comes first and then the first name. So what really helped me is I've, I've lived in China. I've lived in Germany. I've lived in different cultures.
0: Wait a minute. Where'd you live in China? Don't go so fast. I want to hear. I want the audience to hear. Where have you lived?
1: I moved back here in 2009, back to the States from living in Shanghai, China. I was teaching over there. I have also taught in Baumholder, Germany, even though I lived in Neubrucke. And I have also lived in Tokyo, Japan.
0: Does that mean you speak those languages fluently or partially or none?
1: It means I can get around.
0: Sounds like it. You're the right one to travel with.
1: Well, I think really my daughter is. She speaks six languages fluently.
0: Oh, my God. Where is she?
1: She just recently, last year, moved back to the States. She was living in Israel before that and Bangladesh before that and France before that and Mali before that. And she gets around also.
0: Wow. What an interesting family. Now, I noticed you showed in the name Israel, I-S-R-A-E-L. I-S is the feminine. R-A is the masculine and E-L is godliness. How did you come up with that?
1: Well, a lot of it came from different reading of Egyptian texts and some of those main books. And Isis is the I-S, and it carries the same qualities and characteristics of Isis. And then the god Ra um, in the Egyptian text, and that's your masculine. And the R-A is that masculine spiritual energy. And E-L stood for the Elohim. And so that was those that had the qualities and the characteristics of God. And so you put that together and you have the masculine, the feminine, and the godliness.
0: How many people in your experience of all these years you've been doing this are asking you to help them craft or compose names for their companies?
1: I would say I get about 30 to 40 requests a month for that.
0: Wow. Do you feel pressure when people ask you on that level? Because you're not really called to help people come up with a name for their child, but to come up with a name for a business is a big deal.
1: Actually, it's easy because you ask the person to do a lot of homework first. You say, what qualities and characteristics do you want represented in your name? And what services are you offering? And what is it the most important that your customers are going to feel when they hear your name? And so you take all that information and you translate it into letters and the different letters that can represent the same thing. And then you start playing with the letters. And Mm -hmm. usually it only takes about an hour to an hour and a half. And the customer goes away and says, I so resonate with this name. I've got it.
0: You have to have come into your life with this. There's just no way. (laughs) There's no (laughs) way anybody could just come in and just, even if they put the patterns together to have that kind of knowing.
1: Well, it's really interesting. Every July, I give a class and I teach this to interested parties on how to do it. And what took me 15 years to figure out, I teach in 15 hours. And people learn it and people can do it. And of course, I give them little cheat sheets and cheat index cards and whatever so that you don't have to use so much memory with it. But it's amazing to me how fast people take to it. So I think it's something innately part of us that we are recalling even as we're learning it. Or that just those people that have that innateness happen to want to come to my class. I I don't know. But so far, everybody who's been in the class, by the time they leave after the weekend, they've been able to do it.
0: What about women who are adopting the name of their husbands? I mean, husbands don't adopt the name of their wives, so we don't need to talk about that scenario. But For women who are taking on the name of their husbands, obviously they're gonna take on many things about the husband's family lineage and relationship with the husband, the vibratory sense of that. What's your take for the audience on when people keep the married name, they don't keep the married name? I mean, I know this is customary across the world, so I'm asking a bit of an unorthodox question, but what's your take on this?
1: Well, our last name represents our environment. And when we leave our parents' environment and that last name, We carry some of that with us, and that's why some cultures also carry that name with them, like the Hispanic culture. But really, we're introduced to a brand new culture, and that is the culture that our husband represents and the marriage represents. And so when we take on his last name, we are agreeing to that new culture, that new environment that we're going to be living in. And the majority of the time, When I look at the names, I can say, this is how the shifting is going to take place. This is what you get to learn now, or this is how you get to adapt, and this is what you get to share and where you're going to grow. Occasionally, it'll make a combination of letters that brings violence into a relationship. Um, And therefore, when I look at those names, I really recommend for the wife not to take on the husband's name. There's also... I'm sure it
0: scares the hell out of her if you tell her that.
1: (laughs) You know, it's like an omen. Look out. It kind of is like an omen. And personally, I wish I knew how to do this name thing before I named my children and before I got married. I think it would have really helped me in in that respect. Um, But I think it's important to know here's potential places where there can be problems, because if you know ahead of time, then when they start coming up, you don't ignore them and you think, oh, they're just going to go away or it's a minor thing or it's a fluke. You go, okay, here it is. Let's deal with it up front. Let's deal with it quickly and and really give it time and attention instead of passing it aside until it's so big that it's almost in your face and you don't maybe want to deal with it at all. And then divorces happen. The some last names when a wife takes them on, And I don't see it very often, but I do see it. And that's when the last name, the new one, is so overpowering that the wife is going to lose her sense of self. And we see occasionally where women get married and they try so hard to please their husbands and they're morphing into what they think he wants from them that they lose their sense of self and he's losing the person he fell in love with. And so that will show up in the name. And the coolest part is anytime you compare two names, you get to see where the compatibility is and where the buttons are going to be. And if you know ahead of time where the buttons are, you can learn how to speak in such a way you can get your point across without pushing the button.
0: I would imagine that hiring departments of companies would be very interested in having you work with them. Are they?
1: Um, Some do. Some don't hire. Some don't even interview before they send me a list of names. And there's some companies that I just have a list of all the names that are currently working. And then when they say, okay, we're going to hire for this particular position, these are the qualities or the characteristics this person has to have. Here's the names of all the people that have applied. Save us time. Who are we interviewing? And occasionally I'll say, throw them all out. Start again. Wow. You know, I I don't have to do that very often, but sometimes it's like, eh, I don't think so. And then there's times when I say, you know, you would love this person but I don't see this person staying long. And they don't, they do love them and they're a great worker, but they don't stay long. Something always happens and then they leave. That also is shown in the name. And timing is the one thing I don't know how to teach yet. That's also shown in the name. And it's like, what time in your life or what time certain things are gonna happen that you're gonna get to deal with?
0: That's almost like at the level of an astrological reading into a name. Do you agree, disagree?
1: Oh, I very much agree. Um, I have very many friends who do astrology for a living and we're always amazed that what they can come up with I can come up with almost the exact same thing and there's some things I can come up with that they're not coming up with but it's very very close and then I traveled for a year um, with a person who did handwriting analysis and that was really interesting because uh, we'd go into restaurants and just for the fun of it we'd do our waitress and we'd end up doing everybody in the restaurant you know all the hired help and but we'd say, which one do you want, handwriting or your name? And we could f- get the same information out of their handwriting he could that I could get out of their name. So I just, I think
0: it's another tool. I laughed so hard in your book when you talked about Larry King and his real name. We've got to tell people. It's a crack up. I'm sorry, Larry. But Harvey Zeiger Is that it? <laughs> Is it Zeiger Harvey Zeiger Let me tell you, Harvey Zeiger probably wouldn't be doing what Larry King did. Holy Toledo. Now, now on a situation like with Larry King, what the heck made him change his name? He was looking for a theatrical stature, but wow, King. But
1: King, because what do you want to do though? You want to be on top, right? Yeah.
0: And you want to rule. And doesn't he rule at the nighttime shows? Well, he certainly did for years and people loved him no matter what they thought they loved him. And he was very personable.
1: And what's very interesting is if you look at the name Harvey, Harvey ends in an EY and any name that ends in an EY, those people are rescuers. They like to rescue people and animals and you name it. They just rescue businesses. They they're rescuers. And yet his new name, Larry, still has the Y, which is that likability and that charisma and can get along with anybody. But now he doesn't have to rescue them. He can just enjoy them. And also in his name, Harvey, the A-R is still in Larry, the A-R. The first vowel says so much. And then you've got these combinations. But the A-R says, I have fairness issues. And I want the world to be fair. And I want to be just. And so if you're looking at the names and comparing, because there's always two or three letters that will be the same quality or characteristics. They just come at it from a different direction. And so when you're looking at his name, Larry, over the name Harvey, so many of those are the same. What he doesn't have in the name Larry that he has in the name Harvey, but it's still innately him because it's his birth name, is his charismatic appeal that's in that V that he doesn't have in Larry. But he still has it because it's his birth name. But I love the fact that that Larry King has so many of the same qualities, you know, they're just shown a little differently.
0: Can you talk about a couple of public figures that you've taken a look at that people could recognize? Is there a few public figures besides Larry, but maybe another one?
1: Well, let's look at uh, Barack Obama in the CK or in that K is a leadership skill and the CK is you're, you're leading for different reasons, but both the C and the K are leadership letters. It's and. No one letter only has one quality or characteristics that goes with it. It comes with a whole package. But the CK combination is people that are actually fast thinkers or are able to deduce things fairly quickly. The B at the beginning of anybody's name is very competitive. They want to be the very best at what they're doing or they at least want to appear as the very best of what they're doing because they're highly competitive. And so, and Barack Obama is going to think quickly what has to happen and able to get himself out there so that he can appear to be the best. So, or he can be the best in his mind. What I find interesting in that name is the OB that the last name starts with because the O and the B combination together means narcissism. And so people that have that combination in their name, and this one would be, he was taught it. He didn't innately come in with it because it sits in the last name. So he learned it as he was growing up. And I always questioned when he was first running for office, do I want somebody in office who's narcissistic? Are they going to have our country in the best interest of our country? Will that also be their interest? Or where their own interests supersede the interests of the country? So that was an interesting name. And then he was running against Romney. And in Romney's name, the, the Mitt Romney, and that's his middle name, but part of it says me first and part of it says I'm very family oriented and I want to include everybody. And so I'm going to appear as a more gracious person to include and take care of everybody around me. However, he has it in his name that he can take without asking or others can take from him without asking. So, you know, or, or things can go not the way he wants it to, In other words, he can stay in charge, but he's not in charge. So I looked at both of those names when they were running for office, and I was like, what do you do when you don't want either one of them when you're looking at the names?
0: You're not alone. (laughs) Hey, I was so angry with what the offerings were that I voted for Roseanne Barr because I found out that our voting systems are electronically unsound and that you can't secure a democracy with them. And I had Stephen Spoonamore explain this to me on his videos. But you know what would be kind of neat? Barack Obama, that's not his real name. That's not his birth name. His birth name is Barry Sotoro. So it'd be really cool for you to do a piece on that because then we compare, right? I mean, I realize we're dealing with Barack Obama, but Barry Sotoro, would be interesting to know him. Well,
1: in Barry Sotero's name, It has a lot of those R's, same like in Barack. okay? And those are people that need to have private time and alone time and able to regenerate themselves. And if they're out in the public eye too much, they'll start making mistakes or errors or putting their foot in their mouth just because they haven't gotten their regeneration period in their alone time. But the name Sotero says, I want to be famous. I don't care how I get known, what I get known for. I just want to be famous.
0: Well, he's becoming very famous.
1: (laughs) He's becoming very famous. But notice he's, even Barry and Barack, they both start with that BA. They both have that competitive spirit. They're both learning how to be even more competitive. Um, There's a lot of characteristics because Barry starts with the B-A-R and so does Barack. When he changed to Barack from Barry, he's saying, I can handle public, being in the public more comfortably than I could as a Barry. I can think faster on my feet, better than I could as a Barry, Uh, Barry was probably more likable.
0: That's what I feel. I've always felt that.
1: You know, the name is just more likable. And in Sotero, he was willing to learn from others. And in Obama, he has the arrogance and the narcissism, which is not in Sotero. But in Sotero, bless his heart, he still wanted to be on top. He wanted to be famous. And then he wanted to be an adventuresome soul in the sexuality department. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no comment there, if you know what I mean. I think that he probably is or was, and it's not my business, if you know what I'm saying.
1: What's really fascinating, though, is so much of that shows up in a name. I was doing a fundraiser for a school in Washington State, and groups would come up at one time, and all the kids made a donation, and then they'd hand me their cards with their names on it, and I'd go around that whole group quickly and see, what could I say to each person that could make a difference, and then they would leave, and then the next group would come up, and there was this one group of boys, and I looked at this one name, and I thought, oh my gosh, what can I say positive about this name, so I put it on the bottom of the stack, I did all of his buddies first, they all got to see the accuracy, and when I came to his name again, I looked at it, and all I saw was Date Raper, all the way through the name, a really serious problem, he'll end up in jail with it, according to his name. And I thought, what can I say to him that could make a difference? And so I looked at him and I said, you know, you came into this world to learn how to consider other people's reactions and your actions and how they affect another person before you cause your action to happen. And if you can start to think how your choices could affect another person And then make different choices at times. Maybe that can keep you out of jail. And then it was like, next.
0: Wow. What did he say? When at first
1: I said to him, I said, you know, touch is really important to you. All of his buddies were like, whoa, she's got you because they all know what he's doing. And then I went through and said that. And his eyes got so big. It was like, you can see that too. And it's like, yes, it sits in the name. But hopefully you'll learn to control your urges or whom you choose to have experiences with so that you can stay out of jail.
0: Wow, that's remarkable. You have a gift even more than this. I mean, I am sure you have some clairvoyance in there too, hybrid gifting.
1: I think everyone who has meditated as long as I have would have some of that. When I was 18 and I was introduced to Transcendental Meditation, uh, what my sister told me when she was introducing me to it, she said, you know, the people in the East have a different kind of connection with Source And it comes from 20 years of meditation. And they say they all get it within 20 years. And so that my first reaction was, well, if it takes 20 years, I best get started. You know, instead of saying, wow, that's too long. I don't want to do that. You know, I was like, well, wow, if it takes that long, we need to do that. And so I meditated twice a day. And somewhere in my 16th year, I started receiving
0: insights. Wow. That's fantastic. How long did you meditate? Like 20 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes? How long?
1: Uh, I did 20 minutes twice a day, or I did one hour once a day.
0: That's incredible. Incredible discipline.
1: I have, if you look at my name, all three of my birth names end in the letter N. And when a name ends in the letter N, it says what I jokingly call anal retentive to details. And I just think it's that same thing that made me a math major. It's that same thing that said, once I set my mind to wanting to be able to be connected, if it took 20 years, fine, let's do it.
0: Have you looked at the names of countries, knowing that some countries have been renamed? But have you ever looked at, like, for example, the United States of America or the USA?
1: Yes, I have looked at different names. And what's really interesting is how we rename countries because. Germany is not called Germany, and it's called Deutschland. And in Spain, they call Germany Aleman, and yet we call it Germany. And if you look and you analyze the different names of what they call themselves versus what others call them, you can see how they look at themselves. Like Deutschland looks at themselves that they can fight any battle and that they're strong. And it may be difficult, but they're a strong people and they will always rise to the top and they will have fun doing it, and they feel very connected to God. And yet, when the Spanish people look at Germany, uh, using the name Aliman, they think that Germany is raised or created on a false sense of belief, and they're not seeing things clearly. And when we look at them, we look at them as just a physical people that is very powerful, but we don't give them credit for a lot of other things other than their physical strength. You know, so that when you look at a name from what we call a country versus what they call themselves, you can see our impressions of that particular country. And you can see where the conflict's gonna be when you compare the names
0: of what we call a country versus the names of what they call themselves. That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So the Germans refer to their own country, even though we have them down their country as Germany, as Deutschland. As Deutschland.
1: Well, it's just like Spain calls themselves España, but we call them Spain. And if you look around the world, we've had the arrogance of renaming everybody.
0: So when you do the naming process, looking at the name of a country, you're taking the name they gave themselves, correct?
1: When I'm looking at what they think of themselves and what they think is important.
0: Because that would, I'm sure, influence a dharmic path and a karmic path for that country, yes?
1: Yes. For an example, España... Literally says that the arts and the creativity is very important to them, and the math and the science is not nearly as important. Where in the United States, the math and the science and the mental that way is so much more important than the creativity. And so, if you go to the school system in Spain, they reward all the painters and the artistic people and the creative people. And okay, great. So, you're interested in math or science. Where here, if you look at our school system, if you're not doing well enough in math or science, you get deprived of those electives because obviously they don't have as much importance. Not that I agree with that. But in our school system, you will be given a double math class or something else and be deprived of your elective if you're not doing well enough in your hardcore subjects.
0: That's really fascinating. Have you looked at the name France? What do the French call themselves? Not to ask you every name of every country, but do you know?
1: Um, I would have to look at a map because I honestly don't remember. It's been a while since I've been there.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Very, it's very, very interesting.
1: close. It's very close to France anyway.
0: Oui, oui, madame. How many leaders are looking at the kind of work that you're doing? And when I say that, I'm not necessarily talking about elected leaders, but people that are leading in a certain area.
1: I have had company heads talk to me. I have had U.S. senators talk to me. I have had some very interesting people in their positions that hold a lot of power talk
0: with me. That means there's more receptivity out there. So I just really want to thank you for joining us and writing your book, Know the Name, Know the Person, How a Name Can Predict Thoughts, Feelings, and Actions. And also, are you going to be teaching a class anytime soon or do we all have to wait for summer?
1: We all wait till July. I only do it once a year. Where do you do it? every year it changes. Last year it was in San Antonio. This next year it's going to be in Sun Valley, Idaho. I'll
0: bet it's going to be gorgeous there.
1: It normally is during the summer. So I'm really looking forward to this. And the reason I only do it once a year is because I then do within the class itself, they get four months of follow-up with me.
0: That's fantastic. And you work over Skype?
1: And we work over Skype after the class. Yes.
0: People are going to want to call you for a consult and I imagine your fees are on your website knowthename.com. Correct?
1: Correct. Know the Name is a very official site and it gives you the background and how it came up. and you can listen to this show again and and I put the radio shows on there. But this the site that's really fun to go look at is called Best Name Meanings. And that's 70 pages of information that you can just go through and take hours and hours to read. And as I discover new things since I put out the book, it all goes into bestnamemeanings.com.
0: I wanted to ask you about your new book that's coming out. You want to talk about that now?
1: Yes. In January, the second book, the follow-on book called Know the Name, Know the Spirit, is coming out, where Know the Name, Know the Person talks about the personality of somebody know the name, know the spirit talks about what the soul is wanting for this lifetime and what the soul wants to learn and your contract with God. And where know the name, know the person sets up the whole process of how to determine a name and how to decipher a name so that you can learn the whole process. Know the name, know the spirit after the first chapter just goes into immediately looking up what letters and what placement and what does it mean? So it's very easy to figure out your own contract with God by just looking up your letters in your name.
0: I think that people are very lucky to be able to work with you. Very, very fortunate. And I think that we are very fortunate at this time in human evolution that this is even available and in a cohesive manner in which it can be learned or just experienced by consultation and advisory. And I really want to thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. And I would like to invite your listeners that if they have illnesses or diseases to send me their name with that, if they wouldn't mind, because my current research is what is the pattern within the name that says what illnesses or diseases were susceptible based on the placement of the letters on our name? Because wouldn't it be nice to be able to say in my name? These are the areas of the body that I have to pay more attention to. And that's my current research. And eventually I hope it becomes Know the Name, Know the Health.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking with, learning from, and listening to Sharon Lynn Wyeth. Go to knowthename.com. And Sharon, thank you so much. And I look forward to having you back to talk about your new book in 2014. Thanks again. Thank you.